Hey everyone, this is Danielle Gervino, and I'm the New York-based life and style blogger behind DanielleGervino.com. With a few successful years of blogging under my belt and a background in marketing and design, I'm taking you behind the scenes of the industry and sharing my tips and tricks for growing your brand. We'll chat productivity and design, social media, brand partnerships, growth, and more. I'm dishing out my honest, unfiltered advice and exclusive actionable strategies for monetizing your influence. This is Blogging Unscripted. Oh, you guys, you do not know what even just happened to me. I finally carved out a little bit of time to sit down and finish up some notes for this week's podcast, which was scheduled to be all about media kit suggestions directly from people on the brand side um, for bloggers. And to my dismay, all of my notes, well, probably 75 plus percent, just got deleted. I am so stressed and frustrated right now. And I just felt like the best thing to do, um, was to stop what I was doing and just put on my headphones and start the podcast. So here's the thing. Um, please be understanding what I'm going to do is I am going to kind of do a little quick filler episode. Now I, I mean, when I say filler, I don't mean it's going to be like fluff and non-important information, but I'm going to record that episode for you guys probably at the end of the weekend. And instead, what I'm going to do is a quick rapid fire Q&A with some of the questions that I've been getting either in the Facebook group via DM, via Instagram, via email. I have kind of a running list that I keep and I like to just kind of sprinkle in a few here and there. And I figured it'd be fun to maybe answer five or 10 today to let the uh, the steam coming out of my ears settle from what just happened. So bear with me. We will still get to our episodes about working with brands and media kit suggestion. Um, I'm going to have kind of like a double episode this week because last week was a little bit crazy. Uh, a lot bit crazy if we're being honest. And um, yeah, so let's get to it. I'm going to just kind of go down a list of questions. I have no notes, so excuse the ums and the pauses. I'm going to try and do this as eloquently as possible. By the way, before I start, I just want to say if anybody has not yet listened to our first three episodes, definitely go back and give them a, less, uh, a listen. Um, I have gotten some incredible feedback from you guys about the engagement episode, which was a really jam-packed episode. It was episode three, and it makes me so happy to hear that you guys are seeing this jump in your engagement. And now, of course, like I mentioned, nothing's going to be dramatic. You're not going to become an Instagram star overnight, but um, really, really happy to see you guys putting some of the strategies into action and seeing some good stuff come out of it. All right. So without further ado, let's get into it. Question number one comes from our Facebook group. And the question is, do you find that shooting all of your outfits for the blog one day a month, leave some items out of stock by the time that they're posted? How do you avoid this? I love this question because it opens up a really great and honest forum for me to share my thoughts on affiliate network and affiliate sales like shop style or reward style that most of us are probably very familiar with. So here's the thing. When I first started blogging, I was kind of caught up in the affiliate race where I was 
trying to make sales. I was wanting to link everything, trying to see the commission come in. And I think a lot of us get caught up in it because we see other more well-established bloggers really seeing some amazing success from it. I think when you start your brand and your blog, you have to kind of ask yourself, am I going to be an affiliate network blogger or am I going to branch out? And the answer for me when I finally came to that crossroads of what is my brand going to be was that I wasn't going to just be an affiliate blogger. Now, I want to preface this with the fact that there's something to be said for these women who are hustling every day with try-on sessions and with like 30 stories long about here's what you could buy from the sale and this and that and the other thing. Affiliate success takes a lot of work. You have to have a really engaged audience. You have to train your audience to shop just like we would train our audience to engage or to, um, you know, be present when we have a sponsored post instead of skip past it. So my personal thoughts on this subject is if you put all of your eggs in the affiliate basket, you are going to see really slow and really little success. I did that for a while. I would say I did it for over a year where I wasn't pitching. I wasn't really working on a lot of collabs. And then something just shifted. I kind of took a step back and reevaluated what these networks were really promoting and what they were all about. And I didn't necessarily agree with everything that they were doing. Not to say that I don't use them because I still do. Um, They're definitely a portion of my income, but I kind of got to this point where I said, you know what? I'm not going to worry about if I'm shooting something once a month and posting it later and something's out of stock because it's not the end of the world and it shouldn't be the end of the world. There's always other options to link if people want to know where something's from or are looking for where to buy X, Y, or Z. So the short answer to that long-winded explanation is that I don't worry about if some things are out of stock and I just move on. In the end, I've found that there is has been so much more success and so much more money in focusing less on affiliate sales and more on working with brands. And I'll give you a quick example. Um, in one month from one collaboration, I made upwards of $7,000, whereas in one month with all of my affiliate sales, I will make anywhere from one to three or $400. So that's that's kind of like a hard answer of why I don't worry about um, shooting once a month. Okay, next question also comes from our Facebook group. And the question is, what do you do to attract followers and keep them interested in the material you post? Now, I'm not going to go super in-depth with this one because I think we kind of covered some of these bases in episode three, which was all about Instagram engagement. And by the way, I have like noise canceling headphones on and I can still hear Charlie, my puppy snoring from a few feet away. So if you are hearing in the background, that is what it is. So here's my thoughts on this question. I'm going to be really raw and really honest. 
I follow very little people on Instagram. I used to be one of those people who would, if a blogger would follow me or someone would follow me, I would follow them right back just out of courtesy. And I got to the point where my feed was so flooded with the same damn thing. I was literally, see, I couldn't even tell that blogger X was blogger Y was blogger Z because they all looked the same. And I got to a point one day where I was like, you know what? Screw this. I am unfollowing everybody I don't want to follow. And I am only going to keep the people that I really draw inspiration from or who I really have a connection with and I'm friends with or close with in my following list. And the reason that I'm telling you this is because I think that it kind of has a connection to this question of attracting followers and keeping them interested. And my answer is that when you start really giving the most authentic version of yourself, people will see it. And I think that to some people, it might sound a little cliche, or it might sound like, well, what does that even mean? And what I mean is draw inspiration from other people, but do your own thing. One really important lesson that I've learned throughout this whole process is that you have to give up the notion that everybody is going to like you and everybody is going to want to invest in your content and your brand. And I think that's sometimes a hard thing for us to do because I think just naturally as humans, most of us are people pleasers, some obviously more than others. For example, my husband is a people pleaser in the most major way where I'm like, screw it, I don't care. But at at the end of the day, I still, of course, want people to like me. I mean, don't we all? And so I feel like you kind of need to get to the point where you give into that a little bit and you just say, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not going to worry about if what I'm wearing is super on trend and if people are going to love it or not. And, um, I think you just have to do you. I mean, obviously you have to listen to your audience and listen to what they like, but at the core of what you're doing, it has to be you. And so I found that um, showing more of my personality through stories or through my post captions and just kind of showing maybe my more honest and sarcastic side that my family and my husband sees every day is really all people want to see. They want to see someone who you can relate with. They want to see someone who they feel like um, they could be friends with. And so I think that's really the secret and it's, I don't think it's much of a secret, but, um, yeah, that's my two cents on that one. Next question also comes from the Facebook group and it is what are good website formats, layouts, or themes for starting a brand? And this is a great question. I unfortunately don't have a ton of experience here. Um, because I'm a little biased, but I'll tell you what I love. There is a site called PipDig, P-I-P-D-I-G dot co. I think it's dot co. Don't, don't hold me to that though. It might be dot com if it's not dot co, but PipDig is what my web developer has kind of used and customized for my blog. I really like them because uh, most of their themes are responsive, which means that 
if you're viewing your blog on your computer, you can also view it without everything kind of being out of whack on a smartphone or a tablet or some kind of device other than a desktop. But I also like them because they're clean. I think they have whoever designs their themes has a little bit of a funky graphic design background. And I think it's just a little more exciting than a lot of what I've seen. So PipDig is what I definitely recommend. I think that it's a clean user interface. It's easy for your readers to navigate and um, yeah, recommend it five stars all around. Okay, next question is how do you stay motivated to create a variety of different content for your blog? And I think this is a great opportunity for me to be totally upfront and honest with you. And my answer to that question is that it depends on the freaking day (laughs) because there are days and weeks and months where I am so on top of my game and I'm feeling so inspired and I want to shoot and I want to sit down and I want to work on my blog every hour of the day. And then there are days and weeks and months, for example, like this month of January, where I really just feel like I've got nothing for you and I don't want to put out something that I'm not excited about and that I don't believe in because that shows. That's something that I've really learned. If you're just putting out content to put out content, it's never going to be your best work. So staying motivated is hard for me. And I think it's okay to admit that and to be honest about that because I think it's hard for everyone. And I think a lot of people wonder like, you know, what's the secret? What are the strategies? What can I do? And There are ways, I'll share with you a few ways that sometimes I kind of help myself get out of a rut, but sometimes you just got to kind of ride through it. So um, something that I do and I recommend doing is using that save function on Instagram. A lot of times I'll see a post or I'll see a caption or something that really inspires me to kind of take it and create my own from it. And I use that save button and I have all of these different categories where I have caption save, I have style inspo, I have posts or poses or stuff like that. And um, again, it's kind of all about seeing something that sparks your interest and challenging yourself to make it your own. So that's one way that I stay motivated. Um, Another way is by staying organized. I think that when everything is all over the place, it can be really, really hard to want to sit down and get things done. And I think that's another reason why I had such a hard time this month of January is because I was so disorganized with all of the work that we had going on at our house. I just felt like my life was in shambles. My workspace was not where it usually was. And um, my full-time job was just so busy and it just wasn't in the cards for me this month. And again, I think that's okay. So I think you have to kind of ride the wave and take it as it comes. Obviously, you know, try to push through it. Know that there will always be a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I've gone through so many ruts where I've been like, you know, I'll be like sulking and telling Joe, my husband, I'm so over this. I'm, I'm done. I'm taking six months off of blogging. And it's, it's me being dramatic. And I'm sure you guys have been there too. And, you know, it always turns around. Okay. Next question comes from an Instagram DM. And, um, this is kind of a a funny story that I'll share with you. And the question is, what is your most, uh, embarrassing moment since starting blogging? 
And it's not really hard for me to think about this one because I still cringe when I think about this happening and it's a valuable lesson learned. So I'm going to share it with you. Um, so basically when I was starting my blog, what I would do is when I was pitching to brands, I would have some sort of a pitch template. And so I think that it is totally okay to use a template and I actually encourage it. And what I mean by template is to um, open up a Word doc or a blank email and to write a template where in the first quick paragraph you're introducing yourself and in the second paragraph you are um, sharing a few things that you love about the brand and why you'd be a good fit and in the third paragraph you're closing it out. And so what I would do is I would use that pitch template but because I didn't really have a lot of experience with pitching to brands, I would not do a ton of tweaking when it came to changing that middle body paragraph where you really should be catering to that brand around. And so I sent an email to a brand with a pitch and it was catered to them. It all looked good, checked it over, looked great. And then I took the template and instead of copying it and pasting it in a new email, I clicked reply and I changed all of the information, but just like a few words. So like brand X was changed to brand Y and I sent it to the same damn brand with a different brand's name on it. And it was, I was so mortified. It was a big brand. Um, thank God I never heard back because if I was on their side and I got an email like that, it, I would, it would be like the biggest eye roll ever. And I, I was, I'm literally like, I'm cringing talking about it because I'm still mortified to this day. So it's a little lesson that if you're going to use a template, make sure that you're using it kind of like outside of your email system and make sure that you're really taking that time. If you're taking the time to sit down and pitch, take the time to tailor that email to each individual brand. Okay, so I was going to save this next question for our pitching podcast, but I feel like I just want to share it with you now and we'll go a little bit more in depth when we do the actual um, pitching podcast. But the question is... Do you recommend including your rates when you pitch to a brand? I think this is a really great question and something that a lot of people probably wonder about. And so I'm going to give you my two cents. And my answer to that is no, I definitely do not recommend including your rates when you are first reaching out to a brand. Now, if you would have asked me this maybe two and a half, three years ago, my answer definitely would have been different. I would have said, send everything all at once, be upfront, be honest, don't leave um, any gray areas. But if there is one thing I've learned is that a brand is going to try and lowball you as much as they can until they know that they can't anymore. And if you send your rates to a brand in a rare case that that brand has a way bigger budget, they're going to feel like they're hitting the jackpot um, when they see a rate that's way lower than they were willing to accept. I was just recently approached by a large brand who wanted to collaborate and they asked to see my media kit. And so one of my beliefs is that it's really important to keep your media kit and your rate sheet separate. And this story that I'm about to share will kind of give you uh, the answer why I believe doing that. So I sent over my media kit. They said, this looks great. Uh, we'd love to work with you. What are your rates? 
Now, if I would have included that rate sheet with that media kit, I would have been kind of giving that brand, here's option A, here's option B, and here's option C. And what I wouldn't have known is that their budget was exponentially larger than what I would have been charging them. So I kind of got a little bit of a feeling because they asked me, what are your rates? And when a brand usually asks you, um, that coupled with the fact that I knew that they were a big name brand, I think you have a little bit of wiggle room. So I, I said to myself, I'm not obviously an expert negotiator, but let's give this a try. I am going to triple my rate and see what they come back with. And Hey, if they come back with half, that's still more than I would have asked. And if they come back with more than half, then that's great. So I tripled my rate. I sent them my rate. And within an hour, they replied back. That's great. We'll send you over a contract by the end of the day. Triple my rate in one shot, totally throwing it out there, not knowing what I was going to get back. Um, But I think that's just a prime example of why it's important to kind of keep that media kit and your rate sheet separate. Now, sometimes it can be a little tricky to kind of navigate there and see, is it the right thing to do to throw out a rate that's way higher than I'm willing to accept? And my advice there is two things. One is it's kind of going to come with time. And the more brands you work with, the more you're going to kind of get a feel for if you can budge a little bit. But a more concrete piece of advice is you have to take into account who is this brand. If it is a smaller boutique or if it's an agency working for a brand, chances are they're going to be less likely to want to pay you higher. Whereas if you're working with a brand directly, and especially so if it's a big name brand, they're going to be more willing to accept what comes at them. So my final thoughts to close out this question are know your worth and then some, because I certainly believe that I personally know my worth, but there have been several times where I have said, you know what, I am making a shot in the dark, but let's just see what happens. And it has worked out Um, to my benefit with a really big paycheck. So keep that in mind when you are talking negotiations with a brand. All right, next question comes from an Instagram DM. And this is, this one is a funny one and a fun one. And it is, what is one of the most annoying things that you think bloggers do? And it's so funny coming from a perspective of a blogger. Oh my God, there are so many. And I have a few very close girlfriends and we're always texting each other about things that we're just rolling our eyes at and funny things that we see on Instagram. And so one of the things that drives me a little crazy is the overuse of the word favorite. This is my favorite shirt paired with my favorite jeans and my favorite shoes wearing my favorite accessories going to my favorite brunch location. I think it kind of perpetuates this feeling of ingenuity that people are kind of feeling like, well, if everything's your favorite, you know, what's not your favorite? And, you know, so often bloggers are sharing what they love, but not really sharing what they don't. And that makes sense. Obviously, we're not going to say here are the 10 things I hate, but I think that there just needs to be a little bit more honesty and a little more candid speak when we're, we're talking about things that we're recommending to people. Because after all, 
we are influencers and we're influencing people to do this or to do that. And if we don't believe in it a hundred percent, I think it's, it shows through really easily. So I want to uh, just share a few little examples that I found on the web, um, because I thought that this was such a funny question and I was researching it a little bit. And so, um, hopefully this, these will give you a little bit of a laugh. Okay. So constantly hinting at exciting projects that they can't wait to share with you guys. I do see this a lot. I've probably maybe done it once or twice. I think the, the reason behind it is to just kind of get people excited, but I do see how there's a little bit of an undertone as of like, Oh, look what I'm doing. And it's so important and so special and you should be jealous. Uh, another one is the nonstop shout outs to brands, thanking them for free stuff. That does happen a lot. I will say that when I get a PR package from a brand and I don't have any obligation attached to it, usually when I share, I will say a thank you. Or, I mean, at the most, at the least, what I'll do is I'll tag the brand just because whoever sent that out is just hoping for a little exposure. They're probably, um, you know, a marketing coordinator or someone at the bottom of the public public relations food chain uh, reporting to a boss who's waiting to hear if influencer X, Y, or Z receive their stuff. And so I think it's important to, to, to do that and to just acknowledge when you do get stuff. Um, hand hearts is another one, like where, where blockers make a little heart with their two hands. I don't really see this a lot, but this actually is making me think of one that, um, Lindsay and Sylvia and I, my, my two girlfriends, we have a running thread of, um, photos with giant teddy bears. It's, it's like, we think it's the funniest thing ever. That drives me crazy. Like who, who has a giant teddy bear lying around in their house? Like, did you go out and buy it for the shoot? If you did, I get it. People buy props. But I mean, if you if you have like a life-size teddy bear in your house, why? Next one is eating on Instagram stories. And I kind of agree with this one. Um, I don't see why you can't just finish chewing before you start recording. Honestly, the list goes on and on. I'd actually love to put this on my story and, and see what um, some people send in and, and share it maybe at the end of the next podcast, because I'm sure there are some really funny ones that are out there. So I'm going to wrap up now. Um, it looks like we have just under 30 minutes today. And again, I so appreciate you guys um, being understanding of the sitch at hand and waiting for our next podcast for a few more days. But I didn't want to keep you hanging since I did say that I was recording and I was going to have something for you. So I hope that some of your questions um, or maybe forms of your questions were able to get answered in this little Q&A. And I would love feedback on this type of a post. I think today I kind of just uh, winged it. But if you do want to see a Q&A like this every once in a while, that's not topic focus. I'd love to hear uh, your feedback. So let me know what questions you still have. You can send me a DM on Instagram at blogging unscripted, or you can post your question to our running Q&A thread in the blogging unscripted Facebook group. And remember, if you're not a member, you could really easily join just by entering this link into your browser bit.ly slash blogging unscripted on FB. And we are on Apple Podcasts, so that means it's really important for you to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you so much to those of you who have left a review. And if you are new to this 
podcast, it's your first time listening, um, come say hi on Instagram at Blogging Unscripted. I'd love to meet you. I would love to hear who is tuning in. Um, so make sure to follow me on Instagram at Danielle Gervino and at Blogging Unscripted. And I will see you guys in a few short days for our next topic focused episode. Chat soon. <laughs>